0: All right, so Luke chapter, four, chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. And let me read our verses for us here. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus to all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Canarius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee. From the town of Nazareth to to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was what child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christmas is a contrast of two kings. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1, we're introduced to Caesar Augustus, the nephew of Jesus, Julius Caesar. And let me just show you a picture of what he would have looked like here. You know, the name Augustus means the majestic and highly revered. And in this point of history, there was no greater king. There was no more expansive kingdom than the Roman Empire. That most of the known world was under Roman rule. And thus, Augustus was praised as the emperor that brought peace to all People, so as we read in our story, that Caesar. So, so we read in our story here that Caesar Augustus calls for a census, and a census was taken for two reasons: wealth and power. Because by taking a census, Augustus could accurately know how many people he could tax, and he could also know how many men could fight in his army. So, when Augustus took this census, it was his way to control his kingdom. Give me your money. Give me your sons to fight in my wars, and you will also give me your gods. You know, during this time, when you were conquered, it was believed that you lost because your god was weaker than the Roman god. And because the Roman Empire was filled with conquered people, Caesar Augustus conveniently filled that space of worship by calling everyone to revere and worship him. Today, you can find historical artifacts that are inscribed with his picture, Savior of the world. To the entire known world, Caesar Augustus was king. And it's within this historical backdrop, Luke writes this story to say to all his readers, Hold up! Hold up! I got some news for you. A greater king is on his way. Now Luke makes notes of this in many ways in our verses. First in in verse 14, the angel says of this birth, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Now Augustus brought political peace, but this greater king will bring a greater peace. And that this child will bring peace between humanity and God. Secondly, over and over again in Luke chapter 2, the name David is mentioned in verse 4 and 11. The city of David. The house and lineage of David. David, David, David. This is reference to King David, the greatest king in Israel's history. So what's happening with this birth is that it's not not just a fulfillment of scripture, but it's pronouncement that God's king has arrived. Finally, when the angel says in verse 14... Glory to God in the highest. This is a glorious moment, not because it was a virgin birth, which is amazing. Not just because it's a fulfillment of hundreds of prophecies, which is amazing. It's not because angels show up, which is amazing. The reason this was such a glorious moment is because sleeping in the manger was the king who would be above all kings. The one who will crush the serpent's head. The one whose light will never go out. The one who will reign for all eternity. The baby was God in flesh. He was Emmanuel, God with us. What we need to see here is that behind all of history, God is at work. Caesar may be ruling, but God is overruling. But here's the thing. How does this apply to our chaotic and broken world? We're promised in verse 13 and 14 that this Messiah would bring peace on earth. But 2020 will not go down in history as being, very, as a, as being peaceful. That this will be the year of fear, uncertainty, doubts, stress, homelessness, businesses closing, political and racial conflict death in 2020 peace is the exception not the rule so on christmas did jesus bring peace to the world yes or no first we need to realize that jesus came to give a peace no one else could achieve and frankly no one else expected that everyone was looking for a champion to defeat a political power to defeat rome God was giving us a champion that would defeat sin, Satan, and death. Jesus came to give us a greater peace, peace between us and God. Romans 5.1 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus primarily first came to give. But what about COVID-19? What about the political unrest? What about racial injustice? What about the famines? You know, where is there peace on earth? The answer is that peace is on its way. The reason we take the time to celebrate Christmas every year as a church is not just to look backwards to what God has done, but it's also to look forward to what God will do that the hope we have in Christ coming again to make all things right is just as sure as Christ coming the first time in his birth. And it's in that final redemption, peace will come to all creation. Nations will cease to rage. Viruses will be no more. There will be peace amongst all people who are united in Christ, that the kingdom of God will be a multi-ethnic people. Jesus will reign as the Prince of Peace. Now, the question for you today is, do you have this hope of peace? You know, the sad reality is that many don't, because even now, 2,000 years later, Christmas is still a story of two kings. But instead of it being a story of the kingdom of Augustus and the kingdom of Jesus Christ, it's now the kingdom of me or the kingdom of Christ. And the choice that we're faced with every Christmas is which one am I going to live for? And it's when we choose to trust in ourselves, we will never, ever find peace. If the events of 2020 have proved anything, it has proved that we do not have the strength or ability to control anything around me. That there's an invisible virus killing people. That there is hate and division tearing our country apart. That we have to quarantine in our homes. We can't travel here and there. We can't eat at our favorite restaurants. We can't visit and hug our loved ones. 2020 has been brutal. And for any of us to think we got this, you are so self-deceived. 2020 has proved just how small, weak, and finite we are. We don't have the power to save ourselves. But here's the good news of great joy for all people. A Savior has been born to us. God has made a way through his Son so that we would know peace in our hearts. But there is one condition to receiving this peace. We must humble ourselves and admit that we need to be saved. We must admit that we are not fit to sit on the throne of our lives. That we are not strong enough, not perfect enough, not loving enough. Because if we were, Jesus would not have to come down to bring peace. The birth of Jesus Christ... It's to tell all of us we need to be saved. On December 25th, it is God's way of telling the whole world you need to be saved. In verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, this verse often gets recited as peace on earth and goodwill to all men. Now, I hate to burst your Christmas bubble here. That is not what the Bible says here. It says peace is for those whom God is pleased with. So this begs the question, who are the people that God is pleased with? It's for those who place their their faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And we see this promise of peace through faith all throughout Scripture. Philippians chapter 4, let me show it to you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's when we lay all our burdens before God in prayer, His peace will protect our hearts from trouble. Isaiah 26 says this, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is focused on you, because he trusts in you. Peace is found when we trust God more than we trust ourselves, because it's in that trust we exchange our weaknesses for his strength. We exchange our wisdom for his wisdom. It's when we humbly come before God in faith, we will experience peace. The good news of Christmas is that even with all the hardships of sickness, loneliness, and uncertainty, peace can be ours. You know, just think about the Christmas story again. You know, Caesar Augustus, if I could simply say, was a very difficult person. You know, he sends out an edict for taxation purposes and to pay for his army. And just think about how messed up this would have been for Israel, right, that you have here Augustus Who has a nation, Rome, who conquers and oppresses you, and then he forces you to pay his taxes so that through your money, you can continue to sponsor and grow the army that is currently oppressing you. Augustus was a difficult person, and this was a very difficult situation. And Mary and Joseph would have known this better than anyone else. Because for them, they had to travel from Galilee to Bethlehem for this census. Now, the distance wasn't very far. It was about 90 miles or so. But it would have been very difficult for Mary because she would have been nine months pregnant and would have had to travel by donkey. Now, let me just say, I have four kids and I know how hard it is to be pregnant, all right? You got to get up and get stuff for your wife. You know, you have to keep adjusting the temperature for her. It's, it's just so annoying, right? Pregnancy is really hard for the husband. All right, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Love you, season. I love my wife, okay? And all the props to all the moms that are here watching, okay? But seriously, pregnancy is hard it's uncomfortable and painful in fact doctors say that at a certain point you must stop traveling so realize that mary is embarking on a very dangerous journey because of this oppressive and difficult augustus but what we need to see is that god is the one doing all of this That God is behind this difficult person. He's behind this difficult journey. He's in the stress and risk of everything. He is behind it all. That God is sovereignly orchestrating all of history to his good and saving purposes. That God makes an entire empire and the most powerful ruler in the known earth do his bidding so a baby can be born in Bethlehem and that God can keep his promise to us. This should deeply encourage us because when we think about 2020 and all the events and non-events and all the difficulty with life and how things got so hard and so uncomfortable, know that God was there. He was not unaware. He was not uncaring. He was behind it all and working everything for the good of his people and for those who love him. God is sovereign over all, over all the difficult people, all the difficult circumstances in our lives. So when it seems hard to make sense of all that is happening in your life right now, know that God is using these to bring about his good and saving purposes. Don't view God through your circumstances. View your circumstances through the greatness of God. And it's with those lens of faith, it's with this humble posture, peace can be ours. But how is this possible? How is this possible? It's because Jesus humbled himself to save us. Just consider again the context and circumstances of his birth. Jesus is born to Mary and Joseph Mary, a teenager, no more than 17 years old, and she's engaged to Joseph, a blue-collar guy. And Mary and Joseph were as poor as poor can be, that for a Jewish birth, it was very customary to offer a lamb as a sacrifice to the temple, and most Jewish families could offer a lamb. But the law of Moses gave exception to the poorest of the poor, that if you could not give a lamb, then you can give two turtle doves, which have only have cost pennies. Mary and Joseph gave doves as their sacrifice. Jesus was born into a poor family. Also, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, a small town with a few hundred people, an insignificant place with insignificant people in the scope of the Roman Empire. And for his birth, Jesus didn't have first-class amenities. His crib would be a feeding trough. And finally, for his birth, he didn't have royalty visit him, The first people to celebrate his birth were shepherds. And shepherds were the ultimate unskilled laborer. That this is the type of jobs that you would give to your kids. And as an adult, if you were still a shepherd, it was considered a total life fail. That these people were so low on the social ladder that their testimony in court would not be admissible. So why does the king of kings, the lord of lords, come so low? It's because Jesus did not come to be a domineering king. He came to be our humble king. He came to be our shepherd king. He came to be our crucified king. A king who was not born to exploit us like Augustus, but to die for us. He was born not to be served, but to serve. He was born without the fanfare, the trumpets, the press releases. He was born unnoticed to most of the world. And what is so remarkable to me is that God was able to move all of the Roman Empire and move all of human history so that he can get married to Bethlehem and to fulfill this prophetic birth. But yet God could not give them a room to have some form of dignified birth for his one and only son. Was God like, whoops, oh man, I totally forgot all about that. I I thought the angel Gabriel had that. You know, I I thought someone else was going to get the room for them. No, it was God's will for Jesus to be born in a stable because Jesus comes to us in a humble, sacrificial love. The point of his homeless birth is not about how someone can make room for Jesus. And many messages get taught like that, like there's no room in the end, so are you going to make room for Jesus? Okay, I get that. There's a point in that, okay? But that's not the point. The point of Jesus being homeless is about Jesus coming to make room for us in the family of God. Jesus came to earth humbly, lived humbly, and died on the cross in humbleness to rescue us. It's in his humility we find our hope. And this is the message of Christmas. All the love, all the joy, all the affection, and all the peace that Jesus deserved is now poured on us. This Advent, a greater king has come. And friends, are you ready for this king? Are you ready for this king? You know, when you read from the Gospels, the announcement of the birth of Christ, it is always filled with praise. And worship. Mary hears the news of this baby and sings a song. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, once his muteness is taken away, his first words are praises for this coming son. When Simeon hears the announcement, he praises God. When angels make the announcements, they are praising God. Verse 14 Glory to God in the highest. Or another way of what these angels are saying is that God deserves the greatest praise for the birth of this baby. The greatest praise... And what's remarkable for me here is that when you consider all the angels have witnessed, for example, they were there to witness creation when God spoke existence into the world and into the universe, that they've seen God's most incredible miracles, the parting of the Red Sea, Jonah and the big fish, Goliath falling, the angels have seen it all, they have seen God do the incredible, yet the angels say here that after all of that, after all they have seen God do, this is the moment that God deserves the highest glory because the Savior has come into the world and he has come to bring peace on earth to those who believe. The angels are not celebrating and singing for their salvation. They are singing for ours. God didn't send Jesus to redeem angels. We were the ones getting saved. We were. The angels sing for us. That's just how amazing Christmas is you you know let me let me tell you this little story and I share this every Christmas because it's my favorite Christmas illustration there's a story of a pastor who went to go visit a woman in great financial need as and the church raised money for this woman and the pastor with this gift goes to this woman's house early in the week and knocks on the door with this very generous gift in hand and he waits and he knocks there's no answer So he walks away, he comes back the next day, knocks some more, no answer. Comes back the next day and just keeps doing the same thing over and over again. And the pastor begins to wonder, is this even the woman's house? I really thought this was her house. So on that Sunday, after the church service, he sees this woman and he makes a beeline right to her. And he says to her, this whole week, I've been trying to visit you, but you weren't at home. I kept knocking on the door, but you weren't home. And, and the woman was a little embarrassed and said, you know, um, when, when did you come? Almost every single day. And she kind of said with kind of a, a you know, kind of bashfulness, uh, I was home. I did hear the knocking, but I didn't open the door because I thought you were the landlord coming for the rent. You know, many people are going to miss the good news of Christ's birth because they think that God is some sort of landlord coming for the rent. That when he comes, that he's going to come to demand and to take from us. And many will not open the door because of this. Some of you might have closed your heart to him because of this. That you think that all that God cares about is this list of do's and don'ts, who's been naughty and nice. Instead of God being a God of love, he is someone you fear. I am here to tell you that the good news of Christmas is that Jesus has not come to demand the rent. He has come to pay the bill. God does not come and say, this is what you must do for me. But in sending Jesus, he tells all of us this Advent season, here is what I am going to do for you. So Jesus destroys the dividing wall of sin that separates us from God and fills it with his peace. And this is a peace that is not dependent on our good works, but instead this peace is an undeserved gift given by our gracious King Jesus. Do you have this peace? Do you have a right and reconciled relationship with God? If not, come to Christ today and receive the forgiveness that Jesus gives. You know, John chapter 1 says this. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Included in that right to become a child of God is the gift of peace. The peace is yours when you humbly come to him. You know, let me just close with this. You know, it's been nearly 2,000 years since the days of Caesar Augustus. Where is he today? He's gone. His empire is gone. His army is gone. His money is gone. His worshipers are gone. No one today sings about Caesar Augustus. Why? Because he was not the greater king. Jesus is that today in this Advent season here at South Loop Park Community Church, the people of God worship and sing to a king who stands forever, and it is our Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we are so grateful for this Advent season. That we were reminded that your son did not come to take, but to give his life for us. Not to enslave us, but to free us. We are so grateful that as sinuous and rebellious people who run away from you, it's in this Advent season, we see you running to us. And God, we especially just want to pray too, that as we celebrate all that Christ has done, that even in the midst of 2020, And potentially a pretty difficult early 2021. Father, help us to look forward to the peace that will come. Lord, help us to look upward to a sovereign King Jesus who sits on the throne. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.